0: This is where Texas politics gets interesting. Here again are two guys named Jason, some great guests, and cold Texas beer for another smart conversation on Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to uh, another episode of Yolitics. I already almost your started up here because I'm not looking at the camera.
2: No, I th- we almost started talking exactly at oh. the same time again. I so... paused.
1: Welcome back to Yolitics here. Uh, we're at a fun place we've never been to, and the you've co- never been to. Uh, I'm not the I've been I'm here. I'm not the drunk that you are. I, I, don't, I don't show up all the time. <laughs> I get out and about. Uh, Evidently, you do. And they invited you back, which is really interesting. Th- very surprising. They invited us back. Usually places don't do that right. with me.
2: Uh, we're at Community Beer Company. It is in Dallas, uh, not far from downtown Dallas. If you're familiar with like the medical district in Dallas, it's just across the freeway from that and uh, fairly close to the design district uh Okay. there in dallas
1: yeah and you're having the strawberry shortcake ale is that right i
2: am not uh, you, you, uh it was a good guess though uh it did tempt me uh when i was because up there. of the fruit yeah uh i'm having the legion uh russian imperial stout that they make here and you have to this looks is like a sipping, it this looks is like a sipping beer, beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is Uh-oh. a 10 a percent alcohol by volume
1: beer what are you having i'm having the uh, house beer. Okay, so uh, uh, I don't now, speak German, but it's the Hausbier, H-A-U-S-B-I-E-R. That was pretty good, actually. It's a Pilsner. Uh, and, Pilsner. And, and, and you've
2: had community beer many times, oh, but yeah. it's always been in, in the cans that they sell.
1: And, and you guys, I, I know people, I'm sure, have seen this. Uh, community beer is, is super popular. A few years ago, they had the um, funnel cake ale yeah. at the state fair. I have, have you not had that. It? It. You know, it looks like a Pilsner. It tastes just like funnel cake. <laughs> How they in, in, inject or insert the flavor into that? Is I should have tried
2: amazing. that one. And and I don't know if you know this. Uh, I know you're a whiskey man. Uh, they distill their own spirits here too. Really? Did you know that? I didn't know that. Uh, th- it's you're called, the regular here, man. You're well. You're teaching you know, me a lot. I, I, I'm an invite back kind of guy, and so I know <laughs> some things. Uh, it's called Society Spirits. They make vodka, whiskey, uh, agave. I think they have to call it that you know yeah. which is like really tequila sure uh and then the, now they're in the process of making gin and rum too wow.
1: you're, you're, the the spirit knowledge you have is really impressive here <laughs> we should just turn this over if we did not have a great guest here today yeah we so we, we should move on right let, let, let's get to it here we have state rep jared patterson with us today and is that a spirit in there what are you having jared <laughs> man i'm just having water today i've got a A long drive ahead of me around
0: the state to help support our great candidates uh, running for re-election in the Texas House.
1: And you've been out doing it. So uh, State Rep. Patterson is a Republican from Frisco, from North Texas. And as we were talking about what to do with the podcast this week, we already had some ideas what we wanted to do. And as we're having the conversation, I get a text Hmm. and it's Representative Patterson. He's saying, you know. We got to talk about X, Y, and Z sometime. Hmm. I said, well, Hey, let's talk about it now in this episode about this week? because yeah. this is perfect. We're already talking about these issues. Let's get into it here. Well, what did you want to talk about? <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't on
2: this text. Uh, what, what was in the text?
0: Man, you got to give me your cell phone number. I'll, I'll start I blowing know, it yeah. up
2: every yeah. once Just in a while. start spamming me yeah. with ideas of That's what right. we can talk about.
1: Hey, before we get going though, so Wheeler and I are on a text. The, the, you know, Wheeler sends me inappropriate things a lot on these texts <laughs> and, and, and talks a lot of trash and stuff like that. But you guys are on texts, too, which I, people probably don't realize. A lot of lawmakers are on a text where you're talking behind the scenes about things going on mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we, we
0: all share information. And especially right now when it's campaign season, uh, you know, mainly about some of the, the lies and things that are being said about different candidates, different incumbent candidates. Uh, around the state of texas you know it's the same handful of people uh that are funding all of these lies all over the state we all share the same information we all see it so that we know what's going to hit before it hits well
2: wait 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 so so there's lies before election season that's not a big shock to anybody i don't think is it more so than usual
0: it is you know and look i realize that politics are politics but at the end of the day what we're seeing this cycle um, is beyond the pale for what we've seen in at least since I've been involved over the last decade or so hmm. um, For example, uh, you know Texans for fiscal responsibility, which is one of these you know fake, C4 groups that, uh, that. Now, what do you, you mean know, fake C4? Well, so you've got these these guys uh, that are funding these groups, and they come up, they change their name all the time. You know, it was Defend Texas Liberty Pack. You know, they had the seven-hour meeting with the Nazi guy. We all said, "Whoa, that's you know completely egregious." There's no way at all you should do that. So they go and change their name. I forget what the new it's name Texans is. Texans for a Conservative Majority or something, something like that. Like United that. for Conservative yeah. Majority. But, but they've got all these little groups like Texans for Vaccine Choice, Texans for Strong border Texas Family Project, Texans for Fiscal Responsibility with great conservative sounding names but it's all the same five people that run each one of these and they do that so that they can try to trick voters into saying look we're conservatives and we're supporting you know this rogue candidate over here and oh by the way your incumbent has voted to raise their pension this year well no we didn't Hmm. and in fact i reached out to ers the administrator of the pension system the employment retirement system yeah Yeah. absolutely and they i reached out and said when was the last time the legislature voted to raise the pension 2013. most of us weren't even in the legislature yet mailers and text messages are going out all over the state of texas saying your legislature vote uh, legislator voted to raise their pension this cycle Hmm. and that's just you know the first of many that we're seeing around the state that are just
1: straight up lies to the public well let's talk about that because the, the groups we talked about defend texas liberty texans for united conservative majority something like that's the brand new name these are funded by tim dunn ferris wilkes west mm-hmm. texas oil billionaires who made their money in fracking a decade or decade or so ago these guys are funding a lot of this now these guys are, have made a lot of news they're backing ken paxton the attorney general uh, greg abbott dan patrick and a number of others Uh, But give us some examples of what you're seeing, because this has a lot of lawmakers talking with the mailers that are going out leading up to the March 5th primary. You're not the only one I've heard from who's who's like, this is insane.
0: Uh, It's completely insane. You know, there's another one that they're sending out saying that that incumbent lawmakers support and give give money to people that that transition gender, you know, for children. I don't know how to say that because it's not really a thing, but. But, you know, they're saying, oh, this lawmaker supports, you know, these hospitals that do gender modification. We banned child gender modification, both surgeries and drugs this session. Uh, But yet they are just outright lying and saying that this lawmaker did that. They're saying that about great conservative lawmakers like Jeff Leach and, you know, Kronda Timish and others, um, you know, around the Metroplex that absolutely don't stand for that. And in fact, their voting records don't reflect that.
2: And there's nothing that you can do about this, is there, or is there? Well, look, it's a First Amendment issue. I will say that the
0: Texans for Fiscal Responsibility Mailer about the pensions, they don't even put a political disclaimer down there. I think one of the things that we've got to do this next session, if it can pass the Senate, is put some stronger ethics reforms in place to make sure that, look, you can say, you've got a First Amendment right to say whatever you wanna say, but if you're not gonna put the appropriate disclaimer so that we know who is actually paying for it, uh, that should be a bigger problem. Right now, these groups just thumb their nose at the Texas Ethics Commission.
2: And, and if you're a candidate, uh, you know, regardless of where you sit on issues, if they're coming after you, you're up against a torrent of money.
0: Oh yeah, it's it's basically unlimited. And what happens is they find these misfit toys to run for office that no one <laughs> he's, would he's invest misfit in. misfit toys? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like this David Lowe that's running against Stephanie Click for the second time in, Fort Worth? in Tarrant County. Yeah. Um, you know, these guys that no one would invest in, No one would actually get behind, no real grassroots movement would get behind these people, yet they sign up for office and they immediately have $100,000, $200,000 campaign in direct spending, Mm. plus the ancillary spending of all these fake C4 groups that are providing air support for these candidates but so they behind, become
2: a legitimate candidate what's behind it though if 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 they're trying to force out a conservative member uh, and get somebody who you know if, if you look at the continuum is even further to the right in many cases what is what is the point of it what are they after
0: yeah see and i disagree that they're further to the right i really don't like the media a lot of times will say you know this conservative group you know defend Texas liberty pack or whatever it's like I was ranked the number one conservative in the Texas House during the regular session this cycle. You're not getting to the right of me, you know, on most of these issues, on any of these issues probably, and yet they tried to, to pull an opponent up for me for the same reason. It's not about right versus left. It's about their, I call them anti-Republicans, but ultimately what it's about is money. Hmm. These guys, the, these group of five people that run all of these groups, they make a boatload of cash every election cycle. They make, they make a percentage on every mailer that goes out, every text that goes out, every Facebook ad, every TV commercial. So the more people that they can get to run in the Republican primaries, the more that they can convince people that there is a problem in the Texas House and they get people to sign up and run for office, then boom, there's mail pieces, there's text messages, and they, they get a cut of every single one of them.
1: And so this is make sure our, our listeners and our viewers understand this. This is Republican versus Republican. We're not even talking about Democrats at all here. This is strictly RVR. Um, who's the group of five? I mentioned two names. Who are the others? Yeah, you know, you, I, I can't even think of all
0: their names, but it's uh, like Luke Macias is one. You've heard him, you know, Jonathan Stickland, the disgraced former you know state rep who served eight years. Um, You know, certainly, um, I can't even think of their names. I'd know if I saw them. But But then you have Tony McDonald. You know, you see their names on um, a lot of these... Um, forms that right. they have to fill out. I mean, it's all the same five or
1: six names. Well, let me ask you. You don't have an opponent for the primary, which is March fifth here, but but aren't you? Why are you speaking out? I mean, aren't you concerned that that you might be targeted in two years?
0: Well, and I have been. You know, my first session, I was ranked the eighth most conservative member of the Texas House, and they drew me a primary opponent and had one person invest a lot of cash to try to defeat me. And look, I'm probably going to have a primary opponent next time as a result of this. But somebody has to defend the House and the House members and the truth about what's going on here in politics. People need to know that the days of just, you know, ignoring my opponent and, you know, keeping on my message, that is important. But, but you also need people to come alongside you and say, no, this is crap. These are lies. These people are lying. Here's the facts about what happened. Because the candidates themselves, you know, if they're explaining, they're losing. Hmm. The attention span for the average voter is not long enough for you to be able to do it. So I feel, uh, you know, the responsibility to come out and help defend my colleagues who I've been in the trenches with, you know, reducing abortions from 50,000 abortions in Texas to 34, not 34,000, 34,000 passing constitutional carry, passing the strongest border legislation in the nation, the largest property tax cut in the nation, all of these massive conservative wins since Dade Phelan became Speaker of the House, I'm proud of that record. I'm happy to go scream that from the rooftops, but I also want to defend my colleagues because we have been in the trenches together.
1: Well, and yet we hear that, that from, from this group that you don't call them you know the far right or anything like that, but we hear from this group that Dade Phelan and others are rhinos, Republicans in name only. Is that true? (laughs) Dade Phelan and the
0: Texas House has led the most conservative agenda in the country. I mean, some of the wins that we have are not just, oh, these are good things that happen. It's literally legacy wins that no other state has ever come close to. The largest property tax cut in the history of the nation. The first state to have a heartbeat act that actually withstood Supreme Court scrutiny You know, ended abortion in Texas uh, by uh, essentially ended abortion in Texas. The strongest election security laws in the nation we passed under Dade Feeling's watch issue after issue after issue protecting kids. We passed like half a dozen bills. You know, protecting kids from sexually explicit drag shows, protecting kids from porn in schools, protecting kids from gender modification, saving women's sports in UIL 7th grade through high school and in college in Texas, saving women's sports for male competitors. You can't pick a conservative issue that Texas hasn't led on and all of that has happened since Dade Phelan became Speaker of the
2: Texas House. When I hear you reel all of that off, uh, I can you know, almost picture Democrats who are listening or watching this podcast just cringing uh, at those different issues that you're talking about there. They might not be too sad to sit there on the sidelines and watch what's happening here mm-hmm. with these big money groups coming in and, and and trying to decimate the Republican Party here in Texas. Uh, have you heard from Democratic lawmakers about this, though? Do they share concerns about this and, and feel like they want to get something done <laughs> on this
0: no uh, you know I really haven't don't talk do, much do, do you have any Democratic friends <laughs> yeah I mean look we I, I am I'm I am deeply conservative um, but I will roll up my sleeves and I will work with anyone that wants to better the lives of Texans and I think that that's the beauty of the Texas house is that we can work together across party lines uh, when the time is right you know I, I had a bill this session that called the reader act uh the courts have kind of messed up part of the bill uh but you know we, we have now the first ever mandatory library standards in our public school libraries to make sure that pornographic material isn't there and we had 10 democrats come over and vote for that bill because i believe number one it was the right policy but number two because of relationships that we built across the aisle look if you like your property tax cut and your homestead exemption uh that was expanded this time if you if you're a retired teacher and you like the fact that that we had a a COLA, a cost-of-living adjustment, for the first time in two decades, then you like the fact that Republicans and Democrats work together because every constitutional amendment that passes in the Texas House requires 100 votes. Well, guess what? Since I've been in the House, we've had 83 and 86 Republicans. We don't have 100 Republicans. So we do work across party lines to do that. But no, I mean, on this issue, they are— they end up being the big winners here. Uh, the Democratic Party ends up being the big winners with all the infighting.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask you, going into a, a, another contentious primary on March 5th here, what is this doing to the party? What is this threatened to do to the party if, if it continues? Well,
0: thank God for Governor Abbott and for Speaker Phelan, who have, you know, cycle after cycle, invested millions of dollars in bringing back, uh, you know, a majority of the Texas House. You know, my first session, my first election in 2018 is when we lost 12 seats, 12 Republican seats. They had 95 Republicans the session before I got to Austin. uh, And 83, my first two sessions in the House. And if you recall back in 2020, uh, during the presidential election, obviously the number one race on the ballot for everybody across the country was the presidential election. But the second biggest race in the nation was whether or not the Texas House was going to flip blue. remember that. If not for Governor Abbott and Speaker Phelan investing millions of dollars, uh, you know, Speaker Bonin as well at the time investing millions of dollars in these last two cycles, it may have flipped.
2: So this is just huge piles of money versus huge piles of money, and elections are getting more expensive. That's right, absolutely. And
0: you know, unfortunately, we're in a we're in a situation where we can't rely on. The Republican Party of Texas to actually defend Republican primary seat, or I'm sorry, not primary, but general election seats. Um, why, why not? Well, they don't have any money. They don't seem to have a plan. Um, you know, their only investors seem to be, uh, you know, the West Texas guys at this point. You know i think we started seeing that when alan west took over uh the state party uh ran it into the ground like you know like he's done so many other entities and, that, and he's that running he's for charles county that's GOP right, chair right now. and then now we have matt rinaldi who is a two-term you know state representative who is aligned with the defend texas liberty pack and these folks would rather oppose republicans opposed
2: Democrats. So wait, so the party itself, you're saying the Texas Republican Party doesn't really represent the party?
0: No, not, not the members of the Republican Party. I'm just talking about corporately you know, the the folks at the top that that are running the party. I'm not talking about, you know, your Republicans who go to Republican clubs or Yeah, I or mean, the party apparatus. Your delegates. The, the, yeah, the yeah, actual yeah, yeah, party yeah.
2: apparatus is not, you're saying, it, it doesn't really represent the party?
0: No, I mean, it, I think that if you look at the chairman specifically, I think that he has made it a point to oppose, you know, he opposed Governor Abbott uh, in the primary. He opposes Dade Phelan. He opposes pretty much any Republican that's ever done anything um, in the Texas that's House. That's
1: surprising from the Republican Party of Texas chairman to see those positions so this group of five um they they have lots of money they make lots of noise uh they have us talking in this episode here too Mm -hmm. they haven't had the best records so far in and candidates they've endorsed we saw most recently house district uh two three jill dutton versus brent money in uh what hunt county hopkins county van zent county northeast texas the That group of five was aligned behind Brent Money, mm-hmm. and Jill Dutton had former Governor Rick Perry, House Speaker Dade Phelan behind her. She ended up winning a very close race by one hundred points. That's right. What does that say about the state of the party?
0: Well, I think what it says is that voters are smart, and, you know, all politics is local. Jill's a great candidate. Uh, she's a great member of her community, former school board member. She uh, ran a Republican club, and that's why I say, You know, it's not Republicans. It's just a handful of people at the top. Um, But, you know, she's a great candidate. She worked her butt off. She knocked doors. She talked to voters. She went to events. And she did the work that was required to win. And I think at the end of the day, that's why you're seeing so many of these lies really ramp up against incumbents this year, uh, more so than ever before because what they're doing isn't working. Speaker Phelan was 34 and 0 last cycle against this group.
2: Does this stop after the primary or what happens? What what, what happens if this big money opposes you in the primary, you still somehow slug it out and win in the primary and now you're going on to the general election in November, let's say you're facing a Democrat or an independent or who knows what, does it stop after the primary? Well,
0: what's crazy is that a couple of years ago, we actually saw mail pieces hit in districts well after the primary against several Republican incumbents
1: after the primary.
0: After the what's primary, the from these groups, I, I well because they make. I mean, I'm telling you, this isn't about politics. It's not about policy. It's about money. They make money on every single one of these mail pieces. Every how, single how? text that goes. I, I, out. I don't understand that. Well, like, you know, how? like any like any political consultant, you know, they get paid. Um, to, and, and I'm sure that they have a little percentage, you know, on each mail piece yeah. that they get, you know, that's the that's the root of this. It's not about policy. Look, since we uh, since we uh, ended abortion in Texas, took abortion from 50,000 abortions to 34 in the state of Texas, the attacks have only ramped up. Since we passed constitutional carry for the first time since Reconstruction, you no longer have to ask the government for permission to carry a firearm, the attacks have ramped up. Since we passed the strongest election integrity bill, a bill that was so strong that the Democrats fled to Washington, D.C. to try to stop.
1: Since we passed that, the attacks have ramped up. But the attacks have ramped up from the right, which is, I'm still picking my head on that. I I don't get it because these are conservative priorities that you guys have fought for for a long time that people thought open carry wasn't going to happen no way and then all of a sudden it happens why are these attacks ramping up money because
0: it's not about policy none of this is policy driven if if it was policy driven People would be lining up behind Speaker Phelan and all of these incumbent Republican legislators who have done the Lord's work on so many issues. I mean, again, legacy wins. I'm not talking about just good policy. Legacy wins. I would ask you this. Pick your favorite Congress member or U.S. senator out of the entire country, and I'll give you the last 30 years. Tell me the three most conservative policies that they have passed in the United States Congress over the last 30 years, and I'll let you pick one of the last two sessions, and we'll smoke them. It's not even close. Congress does nothing. The Texas House and the Texas Senate does conservative win after conservative win, yet all the money and focus— is on the texas house
2: so there's this infighting then uh in the party and and regardless of what's causing it whether it's money or just this desire on uh, the part of some people to just burn it all down uh or if it is policy there is this fight that's taking place within the party and you know i don't know what y'all's super secretive text back and forth said you know when y'all were talking about what we'd talk about your today. beer choices man. but a big <laughs> thing on my mind it is a good one uh a big thing on my mind that i wanted to ask you mm-hmm. about is ken paxton yeah uh because, you know, it's an elephant in the room. And I think it's also uh, the, the, at least it's almost a spark, I guess, uh, that continues this battle going within the party. Because this was hard within the party, uh, yeah. this whole issue the past year. You voted to impeach Paxton, mm-hmm. uh, along with many other Republicans in the House. Do you look back on that now still and believe that that was the right call?
0: I have absolutely no regrets. I sleep very well at night knowing that what we did was the right thing for the state of texas keep in mind it wasn't just the ken paxton thing we also expelled which led to the house district 2 special election uh republican house member that got his 19 year old intern drunk and um you know did some things there so yeah i mean i think that if you look at what we've done in the texas house especially under speaker Phelan's leadership it's that i think his motto if it's not it should be is do right and risk the consequences and that's what we've done you know it's an
2: extraordinary moment absolutely
0: and look it's nothing that we took lightly i mean the weight of both of those things um it the only thing that i could compare it to is when we passed the heartbeat act um you know just the weight of that moment of knowing you know of the lives that we could save there but politically Um, And just historically, the weight of those two decisions were very heavy. And as we sit here and record this today, Ken Paxton should be being deposed in Austin and answering questions for the very first time under oath about all of these allegations against him. Yet for the 13th time, he has a, a, a legal ploy that his attorneys have done to remove himself from having to answer questions under oath. And as we record this today, he should be being deposed and answering questions under oath. He refuses to do so.
2: The state Supreme Court uh, sort of sided with him and put that on hold. Uh, whether he'll have to do a deposition as they, you know, figure out the merits of his argument there. Uh, Basically, you know, there's still this whistleblower case, these top deputies who were in his office who reported him to the FBI, who were fired, who say that they were wrongfully terminated. They filed this whistleblower lawsuit. That's at the heart of uh, of the whole impeachment there. And the really interesting thing is uh, Paxton came out recently and said, you know what, I'm not going to contest any of the facts that are in that lawsuit anymore. Let's just go ahead and, you know, get this trial over with, get it out of the way and and, and get to the settlement. Uh, these are the facts that were at the heart of the impeachment, though. If he says, I'm not going to contest that anymore. This is a guy, by the way, who fights everything. Yes. If he says, <laughs> I'm not going to contest that anymore, you know, one uh, Republican uh, senator who's retiring says, we should reopen the trial now. Yes. Should, should that be reopened?
0: If there's a
2: way to do it, then
0: absolutely. You know, I, I don't know if logistically how that works, but you know, look, Ken Paxton admitted to four of the articles of impeachment. Look, when I came home and I started talking to people about the Ken Paxton impeachment, you know, because so much money was spent uh, by the Defend Texas Liberty Pact group, you know putting out all this misinformation about what it was most people thought that this was about the 2014-2015 securities fraud stuff that was four of the 20 charges right. against paxton these whistleblower charges are at the root of all of it and what people need to remember is that these were hand-picked conservative stalwart well-known in the conservative legal community of being rock star conservatives that were hand-picked by paxton to lead different divisions And at the height of covid 19 when everybody's running all over the place trying to figure out you know what to do and and you know getting our kids okay and back in school and no mask requirements and all these things on the conservative side uh you know keeping businesses open all that stuff it seemed that the majority of the work in the ken paxton office was protecting this guy nate paul and not only protecting him but hiring outside counsel a guy with only five years of experience to partner with nate paul's attorney to go not only write subpoenas, but deliver subpoenas to people that were investigating or turning in Nate Paul to law enforcement. And it's like, wait a minute, we're at the height of COVID. And this is what the Office of the Attorney General, well, they start start trading notes in the different divisions and figure out what's going on. They go to the FBI and report Ken Paxton. The reason we have whistleblower protections in this state is so that the powerful politicians cannot be corrupt, without accountability. Those people should have been protected in their jobs, according to the law. And when Ken Paxton took about 45 days to either fire or constructively remove them from their positions, he broke the law. That's what this whole case started on. Mm -hmm. Now, what he's saying now, even though he's said, I'm completely innocent the whole time, though not under oath. What he's saying now is, look, those guys are right. I'm not even going to fight it. Whatever they say goes and judge, whatever settlement that you want to come up with that, oh by the way, the taxpayers have to fund, whatever number that is, not three point three million, it could be twenty million. Mm-hmm. Whatever number you come up with, I'm good with. I'm just gonna let you have it. That is remarkable. Mm-hmm. The fact what
1: was your reaction when you first when you saw that Paxton wasn't fighting this? I
0: just disgusted, astounded, and every single day. It's gotten so repetitive now that almost every single day, the entire focus of the office of the attorney general is about how to protect Ken Paxton from answering any question whatsoever under oath. And look, this is not about him being a Republican or me agreeing or disagreeing with the things that he's done with the Biden administration or others. You know, myself, other members of the Texas House that have campaigned for Ken Paxton, that have supported Ken Paxton, that have, you know, done all of these things. It's just it's I don't understand how a Republican can look at someone in the Democratic Party and point our finger at them and saying that person is corrupt if we can't do the same within our own party.
1: Do do you expect the the House of Representatives, if if there's a judgment in this case, not a a settlement, but a judgment in this case, do you expect the House of Representatives is going to pay that on behalf of Ken Paxton? Well, I I can't. To those whistleblowers. I
0: can't can't speak on behalf of of all of my colleagues, but I'll tell you what I would support. I would support those guys were wronged. Ken Paxton. Broke the Whistleblower Act. Um, what he did was wrong, and those guys were wrong. A lot of them, their reputations have been sullied because of this, sure. and all kinds of things. So I would support um, some type of settlement agreement only after Ken Paxton answers questions under oath about everything that happened.
2: Hmm. Uh, do you think that there is any appetite, you know, when you're in these text threads with, with other members, is there any appetite at all for this House? to go through the impeachment proceedings again and not wait for the Senate to reopen a trial?
0: Well, we haven't really talked about that. I mean, you know, most of what we're talking about, you know, this one thread that that we've got where we're talking about the campaign stuff is about, you know, hey, how many doors have you knocked on? Great, good job. You know, what lies are you seeing in your district? You know, what's mm-hmm. going on here? You know, we're sharing information like that. But Will focus know,
2: come back to this, though, do you think?
0: You know, I think time will tell. You know, Ken Paxton will, I, I believe, eventually be deposed. He will have to answer questions under oath on mm-hmm. the whistleblower suit. He, has the he security. hasn't had to yet. He hasn't had to yet. But, you know, look, time is not on his side. He's got the the securities fraud thing coming up in April. The FBI is investigating him on the bribery charges. I know for a fact that they are interviewing multiple people all around Austin uh, that are involved with uh, not involved with that, but like, you know, know about things people in the legislature. I know of people in Austin that are being interviewed by the FBI, and so it's like, you know- The
1: grand jury or the FBI? The grand jury in San Antonio?
0: The FBI specifically. I mean, look, the the noose is getting tighter. It's a matter of time. And look, I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of this year that, you know, Ken Paxton's on an island somewhere cashing out his campaign account and, you know, trying to skirt law enforcement. I I think the best case- you think he would take
1: off? I mean, literally, you think he'd
0: take off? He's facing life in prison. I mean, he's faced, I mean, these securities fraud charges are, I mean, it's real deal. I mean, but it's But you think the attorney stuff.
2: general is a flight risk?
0: I absolutely do. I mean, look, he's gone all over the world. He went to China whenever everyone said, do not go on this trip to China. He's been all over Europe. He's never disclosed how those European trips were paid for. He's now come to light that he's got multiple homes and investment properties all over the United States that he somehow bought with $150,000 a year salary. Hmm. And you know, he's got all this stuff that's never been reported. He still hasn't reported his personal financial statement, which, by the way, is due February twelfth again this year that we file every single year. So there are major, major legal implications for him, and. I wouldn't be surprised by anything at this point.
2: You know, uh, you were with the majority of Republican House members who voted to impeach. Mm -hmm. It makes its way over to the Senate uh, in Texas. Only two Republicans voted Mm -hmm. to convict. Uh, The majority uh, voted to acquit. Did they get it wrong here?
0: You know, look, I think if you look at the trial, we couldn't call the top six people involved in the conspiracy. Mm -hmm. We couldn't call Ken Paxton. We couldn't call Angela Paxton. We couldn't call Nate Paul. We couldn't call the mistress. We couldn't call the um, the guy that did the work on the house, or the guy that owned the contracting business. You know okay. that was ultimately tied to Nate Paul. We couldn't call the top six people. So, now you, say you
2: couldn't call. Some of those could have been called if the rulings had been different uh, there in the Senate. Did they get that wrong?
0: Yeah, look, I, I think that the trial was was difficult uh, for a number of reasons. And I think that that was the main reason that it was difficult, because we we were not either allowed or unable to to call the top six people involved. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I wouldn't have put it forward if I didn't think that it was the right thing to do. And I, having watched almost every single minute of the trial, I believe that we proved without a shadow of a doubt that there was an issue there. Have you and said anything to those been,
2: senators who voted to acquit who, you know, uh, GOP senators who you no doubt have I've, relationships with? I've talked with. to a
0: few of them, but I mean, I, you know, I haven't talked to By, you know, by any large number of of state senators by any stretch. But look, you know, the whole thing about, you know, no evidence and all this stuff, we submitted thousands of pages of evidence. And I want to talk about one briefly, if that's okay. The day that the whistleblowers went to the FBI that day and they come back and report to Ken Paxton that they went to the FBI. He just magically decides four hours later to pay the bill to the contractor after having been in the house for nearly three months. For for work done
1: on his own home in Austin.
0: Yeah, $120,000 or $150,000. That had been done months prior. That had been done. He'd already been in the house almost three months. He pays it that day. And oh, by the way, the metadata proved that the invoice wasn't even generated until the early morning hours of the day after the whistleblowers went to the FBI. Yeah. and it was never actually sent to Ken
2: Paxton
1: and, and yeah explain the allegation because it was it was kind of deep here the allegation was is that he was getting things for free because of who he was he was trading stuff out. That's right. And, and essentially, With he Nate got Paul. all
0: of these repairs done to his house right. and, and all of this stuff, you know, well over $100,000 worth of work without having to pay for it by Nate Paul. And this, he paid for it this, after the whistleblowers went. To absolutely. And it was this
2: businessman who he was helping.
0: Absolutely. And so, you know, and, and by the way, this guy who is also up against life in prison uh, because Nate of Paul. bank fraud and all sorts of things, you know, that he's allegedly done. And so, you know, this this whole web of things there was so much evidence there but you know look it was a political trial we got a political result mm. uh
2: I'm, I'm you know when i hear you talk about this and i hear the vote that you took uh, i'm amazed that you don't have a primary opponent how did you escape that i mean wasn't there supposed to be sort of this revenge tour we've seen it with some members yeah uh, you're a
0: collin county rep i mean yeah, yeah.
1: Why, why aren't you in the cross here yeah i'm man. on the
0: collin county line i'm in wholly within <laughs> denton county yeah. but i live in frisco but yeah i mean look we're we're in you know what a lot of people would think of as paxton country i had a primary opponent announced um, and after ken paxton endorsed her she dropped out i don't know why i've never spoken with her i didn't even know why she was running but um, i did have a primary opponent for a little while i think had she dropped out sooner i probably would have had someone else you know jump up uh Um, As we've seen in many of these other races, there are very few Republicans in our region without a primary opponent.
1: Yeah. You mentioned earlier in in the episode here about uh, Congress. Mm -hmm. And and I I don't think whichever party, you know, you you might align yourself with or if you're an independent. uh, I think we could all agree Congress isn't doing a whole heck of a lot right now. They They got infrastructure passed, which was a big deal. But when it comes to the border, they keep kicking that thing down the road. When it comes to government funding, they kick it down the road. Um, you, you mentioned and, and it has been discussed that you kind of got into it with a Republican member of Congress on X mm-hmm. recently that was Beth Van Dyne from mm-hmm. Irving she's a fellow Republican what was that about and she's not the only one she's more representative I think of the of the frustration you have with Congress yeah
0: I mean look and I'm a big Beth Van Dyne fan I think she did a great job as mayor of Irving Um, I supported her run you know for Congress so this was and, and we even said in our Twitter exchange or X exchange that you know this isn't about you specifically but you know all these Republican Congress members come down to the border and have their little press conference down there and have all this tough talk and it just honestly pisses me off because no one in Congress does anything to help anybody but themselves. And I'm just disgusted by the whole lot of them, all 400 however many of them there are in Congress, they never do anything. I can't point to three conservative policy wins that Congress has put forward in my adult lifetime that has bettered my life or my family. I just can't. I mean, we had the Trump tax cuts that Trump led on, um, you know, but what is Congress doing about anything? The Republican Congress right now to me, appears to be funding the Biden administration's efforts in everything that they do. I say shut it down. Shut it down. Shut Should it all the government? down. Absolutely. I mean, what what are they doing that is helping anyone? I mean, look, and when you have a government shutdown, there's things that still happen, right? I mean, people still get their Social Security checks and that sort of thing. So you're not talking about taking money.
1: But you wouldn't pay people. Border Patrol. You wouldn't pay military. There's a number of things you wouldn't actually fund salaries for.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? At the end of the day, Border Patrol's down there under orders of, you know, the Biden administration cutting our razor wire, you know, getting industrial well, that's, forklifts. That's under the Supreme Court. Up.
1: That's under the Supreme Court order.
0: Well, it is now, but before that, it was the Biden administration telling them to do that, you know? I mean, look, at the end of the day, I would rather Congress shut down to weaken the Biden administration than continue to funding his efforts all over the, all over the world, really. I mean, look at the world. The world is burning down around us with Joe Biden in office. What is Congress doing? But but if they shut it down, there still wouldn't be anything
2: going on. You still wouldn't be getting anything done, Absolutely,
0: man. Right? We could save a few bucks. I mean, if they're not going to do anything anyways.
2: Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, so, you know, focusing back on the border there, mm-hmm. uh, there's this, uh, you know— uh, We've got this Oklahoma Republican uh, Senator Langford who's been in these negotiations about this border bill. Uh, you know, the talk on Capitol Hill is that this is the most uh, sweeping uh, change on the border, the toughest border uh, you know restrictions uh, that we would see in a generation. And now that the Republican-led House is balking, saying, "You know what? We're not going to support that. We're going to wait. We're going to let the election play out uh, and 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 see if maybe uh, you know." We can get trump back in office and do something different do you support that i
0: don't understand why we need a new bill to enforce the laws that are on the books we have a border we have um, folks streaming across this border victims of human trafficking some folks wanting to just get a better life 300 terrorists on the terror watch list a lot of you know, folks that have done some really bad things in this country, all sorts of people flooding across the southern border. In addition to that, a record amount of drugs coming across. We've stopped more fentanyl coming across the southern border than would kill every man, woman, and child in the United States. And the laws on the books that they have right now today can stop all of it tomorrow.
2: But if they have a bill that goes further than the laws that are on the books right now, is it is it a good idea Do, not does it go further? I mean I, I mean what what is
0: what is going further than shutting the border down and not allowing anyone to cross, which they have the ability to do right now. They, Joe Biden has the ability right now today to shut it down and to only have our ports of entry open, to have bigger checks through the ports of entry, because that's where a lot of the drugs are coming through is you know actually our, our ports of entry. Yeah. He has the ability to shut that down today. We don't need a new law. Now look, if there's something in there, I haven't read it, um, it's not, not know, done yet. So, so you're not missing. Y- yeah. Anything, so, yeah. I mean, if there's something in there that, that makes it better, but if they're not going to enforce the laws that are on the books, what's another piece of paper with
1: words on it going to do? It's bipartisan though. Um, uh, let me ask you this, cause you and I, you and I talked about this and I didn't realize this. You were talking about how, how Texas has done more than Congress has. Oh, and yeah. and you mentioned something that, that I didn't realize that, that Texas has built more of the border fence in, in the past few years, and Trump did during his entire White House administration. That's right. You know, of course, he had to get off the ground and
0: run and, you know, and he only had four years. But yeah, I mean, Texas is either built or has under construction more border wall than was built during the Trump administration. And that's border wall. And that doesn't include, you know, the buoys or the razor wire or the 3000 cameras that we have along the border or the military vehicles that are lined up in certain places to route people, you know, to different areas. Uh, we have done that under Governor Abbott's leadership, under the appropriations that we've made. Look, when I was first running for office, we were spending about $500 million on border security, which is a big number. It's $500 rubble, million yeah. Dollars yeah. that <clears throat> should be going to roads and schools and health care. But instead, it's not $500 million anymore. It's $6.6 billion that we appropriated this last year under Dade Field's leadership. For the biennium? to build the wall to install the razor wire to pay for the national guard and state guard and dps troopers that are down there 6.6 6 billion dollars and what i ask our members of congress are where do we send the bill
2: now if um, the supreme court you know it's it, it's a conservative court if they say uh uh-uh, roll back this and this and this that you're doing as we saw recently uh you know there's some who are arguing in, including chip roy here in texas just don't listen to them ignore them mm-hmm.
0: Well, what the Supreme Court actually said is that you can't prevent uh, Patrol. the the Feds from yeah. from removing it. They didn't right. say that you can't put it there. They didn't say that you have to remove. It. They said you can't prevent them.
2: But what do you think of that thought of just saying, ah, if that you know, if we, don't, if we don't like this ruling, we don't have to listen to it.
0: Look, I'm a, I'm a law and order guy, but um, you know, we believe that we have the constitutional right to defend ourselves and defend our state and defend this nation, and we're doing that in more of a way than any other state ever has in the history of the United States. And if you look at it, the feds don't have the authority to just go wherever they want to go. This is specifically in Shelby Park, which is a city park. It's not federal lands. The state of Texas cannot go into federal lands, the federal border, without being invited in. The state, I mean, the federal government can't just come in and do whatever they want, wherever they want. State lands, private property where we're allowed to come in, we're building the wall, we're putting up razor wire, we're doing these things. And there's not a thing that the federal government can do about it.
1: Let me ask you that the $6.6 billion I mean that, that number has gone up a lot from 500 million to 2 billion now it's 3.3 billion I think for for each year is how much Texas taxpayers are paying. I, I hear that number and I, I've asked different state leaders about this. We're spending all this money down there that you say that could be going to different places the issue is still happening yep. is this really anything more than politics though i, I think that it is i mean uh we keep we keep throwing money down there and you still have this many people coming across we have all these cameras we have all these state troopers they're 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 keeping the the economies of laredo and mcallen alive yep. and really boosting them but there's still people coming across well, it's better than doing nothing. It's like, you know, it's like having a
0: cut on your leg and saying, well, should I put a Band-Aid on it or not? Because it's not gonna heal overnight. You know, I would rather have some Neosporin and a Band-Aid on that thing and let it heal up faster. And ultimately that's what we're doing at the border. You know, we are stemming the tide. We are doing things. Is it solving the problem? No, we don't We don't have the capacity. We'd have to spend our entire state budget to do what needs to be done on the border. And we can't defund our public schools and defund our, our transportation system and all these key services that we do as a state to do that. So we need the federal government to come in, but to say that the money's not working when we, the state of Texas, have stopped more fentanyl than would kill every man, woman, and child in the United States. And that's just one of the many drugs that we've gotten and pulled off, You know, coming across the southern border. The human trafficking, the folks on the terror watch list we are having an impact. Is it solving the whole problem? No, it's not. But, but we are having an impact and we are helping um, provide a solution to a piece of the border problem. But we are in desperate need of a change in Washington, D.C. to have people on both parties step up and say enough is enough we're gonna shut it down.
2: Okay, so this is gonna be a big issue coming up uh, in the legislative session, which is right around the corner, Absolutely. you know, in, in, in at least in your world uh, in 2025, the beginning of 2025. Uh, my question is how, confident are you if you had to put a percentage on it that dade phelan is going to return as speaker of the house it that's it, a tough job to hang on to in normal times these aren't normal times though. there's a lot of infighting
0: yeah i mean i'd say it's just shy of 100 um i don't think that there's any problem whatsoever dade phelan is going to win a significant uh race here in the primary against uh, this guy that's a that was a little um like uh, wannabe, you know, Dade Phelan presenting him with awards and being at his campaign booths. And and then all of a sudden he saw the money part of it and thought, oh, I can raise my profile by running against the speaker. Um, He's gonna have no problem with David Covey down there. Uh, He's gonna be back and he'll be overwhelmingly elected by the Republican caucus to be our nominee for speaker. And when you're in the Republican caucus, uh, you know, now after the rules have been changed several years ago to make sure that we have a conservative speaker that is elected by Republicans, um, you know, we're all going to go to the floor and we're going to vote for Dade Phelan for speaker.
1: And Phelan got a lot of Democratic votes as well. I mean, that's what well, unanimous, I believe. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, well, I think I, so. I mean, look, there here's There a few Republicans that shed off.
0: You know, when Dade Phelan was first basically drafted to be the speaker, it was by the center right group within the House. I mean, it was the center right group. And everybody says, oh, these Democrats came on board and this and that. And it's like because they could do math. Once he got to about 50 Republicans in the right. Texas House they saw who was going to be the guy sure. and at the end of the day what every legislator wants is the ability to be reelected. and why put yourself in the corner without any capacity to do anything and you know challenge somebody that's going to be the guy the republicans and the conservative uh, wing of the party put dade feeling in that position and so that's the way it went down
2: before you even get there are you going to have another special session
0: I don't I don't know. I mean, that's for, you know, Governor Abbott to decide. How many are we Um, up to now? Five? Yeah, well, we've had four and we uh, set a record last year, uh, plus the trial. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, that's Governor Abbott's decision to make. I'm ready, willing and able to go back into work for the people that I represent whenever he calls us. I wouldn't.
2: He hasn't suspect. been able to get this school voucher thing to go through. And it's Republicans, uh, rural, rural Republicans. That's always hard R- to say. Rural. you yeah. rural. can't pronounce rural. Republicans rural. Uh, who have been holding that up. And, and, and of course, the governor's spending a lot of money now too. Uh, you know, picking some candidates in the primary to mm-hmm. try to overcome that. Or, you know, depending on how you look at it, revenge. Yeah. You know,
0: look, it's a tough issue, I think, for for a lot of us, because hardly anybody campaigns on that issue. You know, it's not like guns and abortion where it's like, you know, even if you're a weak Republican, if we can get it to the floor, they're like, crap, I've got to vote for that. Right. Mm. Well, school choice is not that way. I mean, it is a tough issue. I fundamentally believe in the rights for parents to choose education that's best for their student. I fundamentally believe that. And I think a lot of Republicans do. But, you know, it takes time for a lot of Republicans to go out to talk to people in their districts about an issue, to figure out where people are. That's the beauty of knocking on doors in your districts is you get face-to-face feedback. And this is a tough issue because most people don't campaign on it. I believe that we'll be in a position next session to pass a school choice bill. It's been said before a lot of sessions. You you think so, though? I think so. I'm very confident in it. But
1: what's going to change, though?
0: Well, what changes, number one, you've got the most popular politician in the state going around the state talking to people about it. But he did that
1: last year
2: before the
0: votes. but, But, but. but none of the reps did and and he really did that during session i mean it wasn't i mean it wasn't the talk of the town coming
2: into last session. It wasn't. It was border security and property taxes. Do you think another thing that's going to change is some of the people who are doing the voting there under the dome? Uh, do you think that some people are going to lose their jobs because they didn't vote the right way in the governor's mind on that issue? Well, they and may. funding their opponents?
0: They, they may, but I think the bigger thing is some of the retirements that we saw in the Texas House this cycle. I mean, multiple blood, people huh? retiring that, that did not support it for whatever reason. But, but look, again, I think this is a policy that Republicans have to get their arms around and be comfortable about and realize that you can be pro-public education because that's where 97% of the kids are going to go and also support a parent's right to choose a different path if that's what's best for their family. I just think that that is something that takes getting your arms around mainly because the teachers unions and the forces against it have put so much misinformation out there about what the what the legislation actually would have done. Well, and
2: the thing is is that these things have been tied together now too. Mm-hmm. So we haven't seen an increase in the amount of money the state sets aside for each public school student for several years now even through inflation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, there was all this talk about teacher pay raises. We didn't see that uh, in this past session either because these issues have been tied together now. Do you think those stay tied together and and that one has to, that the vouchers have to pass well, for the other things to get done?
0: A couple of things about that. I mean, number one, we did invest billions of additional dollars in our public education system. We fully funded enrollment growth. We fully funded a lot of these things, um, you know, that, that helped, uh, helped our, our public schools. But that um, per it wasn't as student much as allotment
2: still stayed the same.
0: Well, they, they want to increase the basic allotment up to a higher amount. But, you know, there's other ways to adjust education funding without just doing the basic allotment. And look, the legislature doesn't dictate teacher pay. That is a district by district thing. The only reason that we're talking about teacher pay at the state level is because school administrators can't be trusted not to keep too much of the money themselves. When we talk about teacher pay in the legislature, we're talking about earmarking money that has to go to teacher pay so that the administrators don't do it. If we had teachers being paid the same percentage of the money that the schools get from the mid-1990s to today, they would each have a $15,000 pay raise every teacher in Texas. But more and more of the money gets sucked up by an ever-growing administrative burden in these public schools, and so that money doesn't flow down. So when we talk about teacher pay in the legislature, it's earmarking dollars for that. Every school district in Texas has the ability to raise teacher pay, even some teachers up to six figures, if they want to draw down those dollars to do so.
1: Let me ask you about one more issue, and this is the reason we had you on the original podcast, and that mm-hmm. was about your bill to uh, to to regulate social media and keep people under 18 off social media i believe it was 18 maybe 16. Uh, florida just made national headlines for actually doing this yes um are are we going to see that again from you Where, where texas is going to To consider this? Yeah, look, I mean, I was so
0: excited to play a role in the House this session. I had two speaker priority bills, uh, you know, related to protecting our National Guard and, and protecting kids from pornography in school. The third issue that became a speaker priority bill that I actually didn't carry myself was the Scope Act, and it actually provided some protections online for parents to be able to control their kids' uh, social media accounts to some extent. And that was a good step in the right direction. But I think what you're seeing, and this goes back to that bipartisan discussion uh, that we had earlier, I was able to work across the aisle with Democrats and Republicans uh, to get some of this policy shaped that ultimately didn't pass. But you're also seeing it nationally. You have Governor Ron DeSantis leading on this issue on protecting kids from the harms of social media. You have New York City Mayor Eric Adams, I believe is his name, that is also talking about doing something to protect kids from social media. Well, um, Congress um, is talking about it Congress now Congress is talking, yeah, I have no hopes that they're gonna do anything. <laughs> but, um, but look, at the end of the day, our kids are killing themselves at a clip that we have never seen in the history of this country. Self-harm, suicide rates, were going down, trending down until 2007. Since then, they've more than tripled. You know, if you look at uh, these rabbit holes that girls get onto about anorexia and all these things, you've got all of these issues, all these mental health issues, and social media at the same time the suicide rates increase, the same time more and more kids are getting on social media, it is, honestly the most dangerous thing that a parent can let their child have that is currently legal in the united states is access to social media are we going to see a
1: bill next absolutely session yeah you?
0: i mean we're we're going to continue to work on legislation around that figure yeah. out you know something didn't work last time what's going to work this time we've got to look at the case law around all that we will have a bill this next session dealing with that issue in some capacity
1: Here, here's my last question for you and let's bring it back around to how we started this thing and that is the 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 group of five, as you call it, I call it the far right. Sure. Um, but the group of five, far right, versus the the traditional conservatives. Are, are my terms way off? Because. This is kind of what I've been calling them for a long time. Yeah, here. I mean, I, I I do not believe that these guys
0: are far right. I mean, I I consider myself far right, and and there is nothing that I mean I would nothing not to have the right of you. I would never have a seven but, hour meeting with a Nazi. Well, I mean, and that, that
1: was Nick Fuentes with Defend Texas Liberty, and and, and that's why they changed fact, the name. In fact, you'd gotten
2: money from that group before, and you gave it. Back. Well, i got
0: money from Jonathan Stickland, who was there right. in the meeting back in like 2017 or
1: something, and yeah. so I
0: I donated that to the Friends of the Israeli Defense Force. Yeah,
1: but that. but here's my question. It, it, we're seeing the, the the massive wedge and division inside the Republican Party of Texas. How does this end?
0: You know, look, we went 34-0 last cycle. I think the voters are smart. I think that they'll see through the lies of the you division.
1: You say 34-0. It's, it's those guys who are who funding all this didn't get any of their candidates elected. That's Vers, the, the, Versus oh. who
0: Speaker Phelan and the team were for versus Defend Texas Liberty Pack, 34-0 last cycle. You know we'll see what happens this cycle but again i i have faith in the voters in this state that they'll see through these lives but but we also have to understand that we are in a different season and that it requires people to stand up and to speak the truth loudly um, even when there's great cost to themselves uh you know like i'm doing like others are doing mono Diala down in the houston area recently went on the news and talked about some of these lies we have got to stand up and fight back. We've got to protect the House. It is a it is a wonderful institution. One of the greatest institutions in the history of the nation is the Texas House of Representatives. The way that we are the voice of the people of this state and the way that we conduct our business deserves to be protected. And we need to protect it. And we need people to stand up and do that. And I'm willing to do it. I know a lot of other people that are willing to do it. But, but these guys aren't going away. They have plenty of cash to keep toying of with of you cash. guys forever and bringing their, their misfits out absolutely and we keep winning and so you know hopefully that'll be the case again this cycle we just need people to see through the lies and and see for what it is we, our candidates have to work hard and uh, you know what i think we're up to the challenge
2: i hadn't seen that scoreboard 34 and 0 last cycle uh how many uh potential races are there this time
0: well there's 45 primaries i don't know who all they're involved with yeah you know, in all of them, for example, you know, Reggie Smith is a fantastic state rep up in Grayson County and a couple other counties. It's my home county. Um, he's a great member. You know, Shelley Luther is running in that race again. She's getting a lot of money from them. You know, Reggie won by a wide margin last time. I believe that'll be the case again this time. So there's some that aren't as competitive as others. Yeah. Um, but you know, remains to be seen. We'll yeah. see March 5th.
2: We'll have to see what that uh, scoreboard looks like this time around. Interesting, Absolutely. Interesting uh, point there. Uh, Stick, uh, Representative uh, yeah. Jared Patterson, District 106, Denton County largely, uh, but you're in Frisco. Uh, did we tick off everything from the text? I've got, I,
1: I think I'm, I, my beer has been gone for a while now because <laughs> your questions are so long. Uh, I think
2: you finished that but, in about the first 30 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <but> I, mean, <laughs> we'll,
1: I think we'll have to have him on, uh, on again. But, <laughs> hey, th- thanks for the insight here. And, and, you know, I'll be honest with you. There, there, we we, we talked to a lot of lawmakers on the podcast You're in a different situation, I think, because you don't have a primary candidate. But I don't think a lot of them are quite as candid as you are in the state of Austin, the state of the Republican Party of Texas right now. So we appreciate that insight. Thank you. I appreciate the time.
2: Okay,
0: y'all, the conversation doesn't stop here. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Yolitics.